The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners. Welcome to the 251st ever show of All Around Sports. We're starting today. We are live each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time as we broadcast from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's ahead for the weekend. For my first 250 shows, we have done Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, but beginning today... We move to Mondays at this same time of 1 p.m. Eastern, which we hope will be the first of a few hundred more shows in this time slot. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And it didn't take long to be excited about moving to Mondays, where we can talk about football right off the bat while it's nice and fresh. And uh, that leads right into my highlight of the week, which was the performance of Jimmy Garoppolo last night in leading the Patriots, to their unexpected win over the Arizona Cardinals. It was a solid road performance by Jimmy G, uh, especially when you consider he had no Gronk and also no Nate Solder, left tackle protecting his blind side. But in a nutshell, the moment was clearly not too big for him. He got off to a nice fast start. Uh, He had a fumble, but that was it other than that clean slate, great statistics. Um, So it was really, really an impressive debut. And New England's very excited, I must tell you. Uh, It was a shocking ending last night. It reminded me, although nowhere near the stakes, but it reminded me of a few years ago at the AFC Championship game in Gillette when the Baltimore Ravens kicker missed a chip shot and There was that sudden realization that the Patriots were going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Just a a shocking feeling. Totally different from even making a game-winning field goal because it was so surprising. Uh, Last night was a little bit of that. You know, the Cardinals lined up for a 47-yard field goal. Everybody was expecting that guy to make it for sure. Uh, And when he didn't, again, 
uh, it was what I'll call delayed jubilation. Um, delayed by about a split second. Uh, I was at a crowded establishment and uh, everybody went crazy. And uh, so it was really, really a great game to watch, no doubt about it. Larry Fitzgerald was immense, uh, which was fun to watch. Uh, and again, the Patriots did what the Patriots do. It's like, how do they do it? They just are able to block out who's not there and totally, totally focus on who is there and get those people, those players to play their best. It's remarkable. I've been watching it up close and personal for 15 years and I'm a, um, I continue to be amazed and, you know, as I was last night, as was a lot of the country. Um, so suddenly, uh, it's a pretty rosy outlook here during the uh, Tom Brady suspension era. Uh, the next three games are at home. I will be there uh, for all of them, I hope. Uh, I plan on it. And uh, best of all, the Patriots are, after week one, perched alone atop the AFC East with, again, the next three at home. And after that, Brady returns in Cleveland. Then the week after that, he plays his first home game this year, which ought to be uh, uh, quite a day, to put it mildly. So this, the statistics last night that they showed, I didn't realize, you don't even realize this. And, you know, Patriot fans are so lucky and spoiled. Uh, they've won seven titles in a row in the AFC East, 14 of the last 15, I believe it is. And again, here they are after week one, alone at the top yet again. So it's just really uh, the gift that keeps on giving. If you live uh, like me in New England, and uh, in particular, I live 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium. So Patriot Nation feeling pretty good today. Other highlights from yesterday. Uh, Carson Wentz, I mean, you talk about a guy, uh, a quarterback on the stage for the first time, a la Jimmy Garoppolo, but yet he's a rookie, Wentz, obviously, and he just had a great game. Uh, he just looked smooth. You just kind of knew right off the bat, okay, this guy can play in the NFL, period. It was just completely obvious. Quickly, he scored the first touchdown of the day in a hurry yesterday. Of course, I was watching that on Red Zone. My uh, Red Zone addiction is up and running again, and just nothing like it. I pretty much uh, watched, as I like to do, for just about seven hours straight yesterday, and, and just what a day it was. Um, Jameis Winston was also large yesterday, as were the Kansas City Chiefs in their comeback. And my overall analysis of week one, is that, you know, the first week, in my mind, will show who is ascending and who's not. I find, especially at this time of year, first couple games, typically good teams find a way to win at the end, if it's close, over the bad teams who still aren't over the hump yet. Like the Bengals over the Jets, the Packers over the Jags, and of course the Chiefs over the Chargers with that tremendous comeback. They were down 21 early. Uh, and the Giants over the Cowboys. Granted, Giants were not a good team last year, but they've been good in recent years, as we all know. 
In contrast, you know, winning late may show ascending teams. In my mind, two that I and many, many other people had ID'd as uh, teams to watch, potential playoff teams coming off bad seasons. Uh, and specifically, I'm talking about the Bucks over the Falcons. And granted, the Falcons <laughs> haven't been good for a few years. And, of course, the Raiders over the Saints, which leads right into my bizarre story of the week. Bizarre good, which is, of course, Raiders coach Jack Del Rio making his decision to go for two in, uh, in overtime uh, and converting. Uh, I hope there's more of that. I think everybody loved to see it. You don't see it often in the pros. You just see it occasionally in college. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping with the longer extra point where now more teams are trying to go for two after and instead of kicking the extra point that this may, this combined with Del Rio's riverboat gamble yesterday, uh, you know, may make it more of a possibility. Of course, I was, uh, Struck last night when one of the announcers on the Patriots game, Chris Collingsworth, referenced running into Aaron Rodgers, who who Collingsworth said, you know, turned around and instantly said, you know, should we have gone for two? He, of course, was referring to the last game we saw in Cardinals Stadium last year, which was that fabulous playoff game. And Aaron Rodgers throwing the Hail Mary. And a lot of people, myself included, thought they should have gone for two right there coming off the energy of a completed Hail Mary. They didn't, and they lost. So I hope that uh, Jack Del Rio's bizarre decision, but again, great decision, uh, uh, maybe it'll become a trend. Um, my low light of the week is the Lions and the Cowboys receivers not getting out of bounds late in the game. Uh, Terrence Williams' blunder cost the Cowboys. That was it. They ran out of time. Uh, and the Lions overcame it to beat the Colts uh, at the end. But as anybody who watched the game saw, quarterback Matthew Stafford just went nuts on the receiver who didn't get out of bounds. Keep in mind, both these receivers were right there at the out-of-bounds line. All they had to do was just step out. Easy to do. Instead, they both tried to get that extra yard or two. Again, cost the Cowboys the game. Uh, the Lions overcame it. But, uh, you know, that's high school stuff. And I didn't blame Matthew Stafford at all for being upset. Des Bryant immediately went over to uh, Terrence Williams. He gave him some encouragement, you know, to his credit. But, again, uh, clock management, you cannot overstate its importance in the NFL. It's just gigantic. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. 
formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... Call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., here we are with our first Monday show, and it took me about 10 seconds to uh, feel we made a good decision moving it to Mondays. Uh, <laughs> I was watching this weekend with a different kind of eye as great stuff, college and NFL, and just bursting at the seams to talk about it. And and here we are. Now we can talk about it while it's all nice and fresh from the past 48 hours. So it's great. Now you obviously, as always, were at the Alabama game and uh, may not have been the closest game, but it was one of the most interesting as usual. Yeah, John. First of all, glad to be here on a Monday. Good. Glad to have you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Nick Saban was in rare form uh, at the post-game press conference. Uh, how many coaches uh, win by four touchdowns are ranting and raving about being disappointed and, and chewing out their offensive coordinator? Not too many, I would gather. Not too but, many. Yeah, especially when, you know, Western Kentucky is a program on the move, ended up, I think, 24th last year. I think that's a pretty good day's work, but obviously Nick Saban is seeking perfection. He's looking down the road of all, all the vulnerabilities that his team might might have and show in games, you know, prior to playing in the SEC. Correct. Well, it reminds me a lot of, you know, Parcells, who was uh, – 
Belichick's mentor, of course, and men, and Belichick, who to a degree was Saban's mentor. And one, one thing I've always remembered, it really stuck as far as coaching style was, you know, Parcells used to love to praise his team when you, when they did the players didn't think he would, and criticize them when they didn't think he would. And I just thought of Parcells when I, when I saw what he did, which is you know. As you said, coming off a big victory, and he basically was highly emotional. Uh, whereas, you know, the flip side is, you know, sometimes when they lose, I remember when Parcells would lose a tough game, and he'd be, you know, uh, very understanding, shall we say, with his players. So reverse psychology, I guess you'd call it. And it seems like Saban may have gone in that direction. He, in my mind, he just saw an opportunity to deliver a really strong message. John, his direct quote was, I don't know that I've been this disappointed after winning a game. Maybe Correct. ever. <laughs> Maybe ever. That says it all. That's a long time. Yeah. He's been, he's been coaching. So he picked a, the, the Saturday in Tuscaloosa, Alabama against Western Kentucky to make that statement. Yeah. Now, you know, was it a total surprise to you? I mean, we all saw what he did with Lane Kiffin on the sidelines, but in general, did you have any reason whatsoever to expect this? I mean, were you sitting there watching the game, or was anybody thinking, like, you know, they're unimpressive today, or I don't know. I, I wasn't thinking that. No, I mean, you know, the passing game, I thought, looked quite quite good. They, they missed some throws, of course, which happens. You're not perfect when you're throwing the ball, especially way down the field. But Calvin Ridley had a big day with nine receptions, tied his career high, and Ardarius Stewart continued to impress. The running game was not very good, uh, so that's one part of the offense that you can uh, belabor and, and moan and groan. But I don't. It was really the, the last question of the press conference. I think it was when he went on about the, the chewing out, because um, somebody asked him about what he said to Lane Kiffin. So you know, I mean, I thought it was interesting that he made that known to everybody. That it wasn't. He was just kind of scolding them or, or uh, you know, mad, he, he was chewing out. I thought that was that was uh, relevant. Is that what he said? Like, what was his actual well, answer? Well, he actually used that uh, I, I wasn't something like I wasn't yelling at him. It was, or it wasn't, I wasn't mad at him. It was just a, 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 a I'll use a nicer term, but chewing out, but he used a different term. Okay. All yeah. right, well, hey. Again, you know, he's... Uh, He's an interesting guy, he, you know. He really is, and because back to what I said last week, just I find that, uh, you know, he and Belichick are cut from the same cloth, obviously, and they're they're not really into media attention yet. Everything they say gets lots of media attention, so yeah, it's yeah. fascinating. And they say because they're both in a position because they're championships to say exactly what they what they want. They don't have to worry yeah. about. Yeah, that, that's the that's the key in any any statement they make, and and actually the person asked the question about what was the argument, and he said there are no arguments; those are called I'll use that term butt chewings. Butt chewings, okay. I well, we, we all know what that means. He used a different term. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> well, this is a family radio, so right, we we, we all understand what you're saying, and uh, so let me ask you just while we're on the topic. Uh, having been to many press conferences myself, uh, how many 
media members are in a typical Alabama post-game press conference? Ooh, ballpark. That's a good, ballpark. Yeah, yeah, ballpark figure. Uh, I would say there's got to be at least 30, you know, that, that type of game, probably 30. And, of course, the bigger games, the room is filled. You can't get a seat. So, you know, in the, probably 100 or something. I don't know, maybe more. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Well, uh, next week, Alabama's at Ole Miss. Is that correct? Correct. That's right. And they're, wow. they're, looking, to re- they're looking to reverse a two-year trend of Ole Miss winning. Ole Miss has beat Alabama two years in a row, right? Two years in a row. I don't know if that's that hard to fathom. In history. I don't think that's happened in history. I have to check that. But, yeah, that's rare. It's very rare for any team. Um, but, yeah, that'll be great from the Grove. So you're heading out there for that game, I assume? Yes, that'll be the CBS game, a 2.30 Central start. Okay. All right. Well, that's suddenly, you know, just because of what you just said about uh, Ole Miss has won two games in a row, combined with the fact they're home at the legendary Grove. Um, that's, that's appointment television for Saturday, you know? I mean, it's hardy. I won't say they have their number, but, you know, if, if they win this game, you can say it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure. I, I got to think now that you know, in, in this context, I think that's probably what Saban was doing. He was just really sending the message to his team that this is really the, the, a big-time no-nonsense week. Like, this is a big game in his mind for the obvious reason they've lost twice, two in a row. Yeah, and and they haven't. They didn't, I don't think they practiced well last week. He was complaining about the daily practice. Uh, so he's emphasizing execution. We need to execute better. That's what he's saying today. Okay. Well, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Ole Miss, you know, uh, uh, that first game against Florida State, it was a tale of two halves. But, you know, Chad Kelly may be the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, I mean, they're capable. Uh I expect it to be a good game. I really do. But I also expect Alabama to come out on fire as well. Uh, so th- th- that's a premier game for sure. Yeah, yeah I think so, John. And I was just looking up some things. Yeah, that is the first time, two times in the history of the school. And I'm looking at once that I believe this is correct. Alabama leads the series, the series with 48-11, to 48-11-2. and two. Wow! So you're saying that no no team has ever beat Alabama two years in a row? Is that no? I'm saying that Ole oh, Miss has never oh, done that until they've never beat two Alabama years. two years in a row. Right until these last okay. two years. Yeah. All right. Yes. Silly question on my part, but when you're talking Alabama, that's actually a, a, a potential reasonable statement <laughs> that nobody's <laughs> ever beaten them two years in a row. Although I know it's like sounds, that would be crazy, but I guess if there's one team in, you know, you could say it about it would be them. Um, Right. Well, that's great. So, about how long a drive out to uh, Oxford is it? It's for about you? five hours, John. Okay. Go, go up through the go up through the state. Uh, you know, living in South Alabama, you just head over towards Mississippi as quick as you can and just drive up through the state. I assume yeah. it's a nice drive, right? Yes, it is. It's quite nice, enjoyable, kind of relaxing. There's sections of it that you have to hit some traffic lights and things, but I'll be but up around, I'll be in Tupelo, Mississippi, which is about 50 miles to the east of Oxford. Okay. All so right. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably check out Elvis's house. I've never done it, so I, I think I might do that. 
That's exactly what I thought of. You can't utter the word Tupelo without instantly conjuring up images of Elvis, and uh, I would too if I were you. So that's that's great. Um, well, what other SEC action caught your eye? Uh, I know for me, watching the Battle of Bristol, it was awesome. Tennessee versus Virginia Tech, 156,000, shattering by 36,000, the uh, all-time record uh, for college football attendance. I thought it was great. What a spectacle. Yeah, I hope they do that again. I hope, I hope Tennessee continues that game with someone. Me too. You know, you know, if it's Virginia Tech, that's fine. You know, maybe they'll, they'll bring in another border state over there uh, on that coastline to ease on into Bristol. That would be good for the program and that other team, too, because they, they can offer that game as many fans as they want can attend. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I just thought it was really cool. I didn't know until pretty much game time or the day before that, you know, Bristol's cut right down the middle. The schools are, you know, by the state, so state line of Tennessee and Virginia. Yep. The schools are exactly... 112, 113 miles apart, literally one mile difference <laughs> in distance. So it was just, it was just perfect and just, you know, quality big time programs with, with most importantly, tremendous followings that led to 156,000 people. Put it this way, there was no chance of any embarrassment factor of like, no. you know, they had it in this big, big racetrack and nobody showed up. There was no chance of that happening, which is the most important thing, obviously. Yes, yes, yeah. It was a lot of excitement, pre-game hype. So it, it lived up to the moment, and uh, good for Tennessee and Virginia Tech to agree to play that game in Bristol. Exactly, good for them. It's right. Any other SEC, uh, you, you know, action that jumped out at you over the weekend? Yeah, a few things, John. A few things. I mean, you look at Florida with uh, Luke Del Rio. He, he's yeah. playing well for the Gators. That's important. They need somebody to be a good quarterback at that school. It's been a while. I agree. So, so that that might give them a chance to win that Eastern Division. Yeah, he and his father are both on a roll, right? <laughs> they are. Yeah. yeah, they sure are. If, yeah. they, if they were a lottery, I'd bet on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their next move. Everybody's going to be watching. Exactly. It's it's terrific. I love it. Yeah, and then of course Georgia struggled with Nichols, but. Yes, John. Those games, the players—they're human. They look on the schedule and they—they they believe we can just really show up and win. But on the other side, those players from Nichols—they're all excited to be playing Georgia. So they're going to give a tremendous effort. Number one, they don't want to be embarrassed, and, right. and it's their moment. Uh, as I told somebody, there was a left tackle from Western Kentucky. He can make himself a lot of money this week if he performed one. He certainly did. Tim Williams didn't have a sack for Alabama, so I'm sure his. Future agent will pass that tape around to um, all the NFL teams. Oh, exactly. Yeah, uh, and you know another big factor that I always come back to, especially when it's you know sort of a local school versus the bigger school. These guys were ignored come scholarship time, often yeah. by the by the bigger schools. So the motivation factor is simply off the charts, to say the least. So I have always factored that as a major reason as well. Oh yeah, and then and then John, the other thing was of course Arkansas defeating TCU. Oh, spectacular! Yeah. What a game! Yeah, because, that was that yeah. was great, great theater. 
and, and that that's something that T, no, TCU has a loss, Oklahoma State has a loss, Oklahoma has a loss, leaving Baylor and Texas uh, undefeated at this point. But some of those teams probably can come back from that that defeat. Some can't, maybe. I don't know. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, and o- Oklahoma as well. But o- the Oklahoma State ending was one for the ages uh but why don't we take our break uh but when we come back we'll talk about that crazy ending with central michigan and oklahoma state which was truly uh uh one for the ages to to put it mildly so we'll do that after this break Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We're examining five methods for hunting this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Taking an in-depth look at archery, crossbow, rifle, black powder, and pistol. We'll explore the specifics of each hunting discipline and what it truly means to be proficient and successful with them when in the woods. Joining us will be legendary outdoorsman David Blanton from Real Trees Monster Bucks and wild man Greg Ritz of Huntmasters. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, and World Fishing Network. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one. 1- 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we said we were going to delve into the Oklahoma State Central Michigan ending. Confusing, like I, I don't profess to be a rule book expert, but my impression, and I wasn't watching live, so there's a lot, a lot of highlights that Oklahoma State apparently had a intentional grounding that the rule book says should have, you know, results in loss of down, that's it. But somehow, some way, it ended up, and I think it was a fourth down, and somehow they gave the ball with no time on the clock, apparently, to Central Michigan, who, of course, as these things always happen, uh, proceeded to throw one of the more interesting Hail Marys you ever see and that the guy caught it at the five and while falling backwards, managed to lateral to his teammate who then ran across the field from about the 10 uh, into the other corner of the end zone to win the game. It was a stunner, to say the least. Yeah, two, two things, Sean. In this day and age where you can communicate instantaneously, I think Oklahoma State is going to examine the their their process of objecting to to calls because somebody missed out. Number one, I agree. Number one, I mean that's fine. I mean the officials. That's part of your game plan. Officials makes make mistakes 
what is our plan? What is our That's plan right. when the official makes a mistake? Yeah, because this one is so black and white. I saw the rule thrown up on the television screen. It seems 100% black and white that if someone went out to simply say that to the ref, he would have changed his mind because he would have you know, gathered his thoughts and realized that they were right. I mean, yeah. it seems like that, that, again, cut and dry. And, John, not only did the officials on the field make a mistake, the two-person video replay crew that worked the game, they've been suspended. So there was a checks and balances on their part as well who failed to, to respond to the error. So that game was a total disaster. Num- but number two, uh, the first football game I ever watched the Alabama play on TV, I can recall, was Alabama-Texas. and. Alabama had Joe Namath, and he's trying to sneak over on the goal line on fourth down against Tommy Novus and the Longhorns. Well, the uh, official from the SEC called it a touchdown, but the Southwest Conference official was way on the side. He ran in, moved the ball back on the other side, and said no touchdown. The Alabama players are walking off the field, and and they asked the Southwest Conference official, how close were we to scoring a touchdown? He raised his hands with the Longhorn signal and said, about that close. (laughs) <laughs> the hook horns? That's a, that's a true story told to me by Pete Lamons, uh, played for the University of Texas, played linebacker and tight end, and eventually was Joe Namath's tight end for the New York Jets. But uh, as, they, as Alabama players came off the field, Coach Bryant said to them, you learned, you learned a hard lesson. Next time, you leave no doubt. And that stuck right. with me forever. Leave no doubt. And Oklahoma State was playing Central Michigan, a good, a good team from the MAC. And they let they let the game stay close. Yep, <laughs> that's a great story. I've never heard that story, and it's just remarkable. I mean, put it in today's context, it's unfathomable, especially when you consider Texas and Alabama, two of the biggest programs in America. So I can't top that one, AP. So we'll just have to let that lie. I'm sure that's just going to, uh, y- y- you know, just. Stick around all year. It's going to haunt Oklahoma State, and it's going to, you know, lift Central Michigan. Although they're they're probably, you know, it's just weird. I'm sure everybody associated with that game, right up to including the fans who were there, are just weirded out by the whole thing because it's it wasn't right. Is the best way you can say it. Right. Yes. At the highest degree, we're not talking a bad call, questionable call. We're talking. The game should have been over, and they got an extra down that was spectacular to watch, but clearly should never have even occurred. No. So, well, AP, we talked last week. I, of course, expressed my excitement for the Penn State-Pitt game, which is the game I grew up on, the most important game of my young life every year, and uh, national draw. They haven't played for 16 years, and... I was thrilled to watch the absolutely thrilling game, but the the kicker to me was the largest crowd to ever watch a sports event in the city of Pittsburgh. That is an amazing oh. statement. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. Wow. Yeah, more people were at that game than any Steeler game in history, period. That's all you need to know, or for that matter, pirate game. I was stunned. The figure is something that sounds like 69,900, which exceeds, which is as crowded as you can make Heinz Field, period. So 
But I was just amazed, or Pitt Stadium for that matter. Yeah, it was just, that figure blew me away. I, I, but I loved it. I love it. It justified everything I've been saying, that it is really a marquee game. Yeah, that game, I mean, I can't believe that people don't have better sense to get together. But, you know, I'm in a state where they didn't play for 40 years, Auburn and Alabama. So right, there you these, go. these things happen, John. I don't know how. Well, I guess I do, but it's not... It's not right. People shouldn't act that way. They sh- they should be bigger and remember the the people of their state. Yeah, well, everybody wins with any Penn State, Pitt, Auburn, Alabama, USC, UCLA. You name it. I mean, right. these games are games that simply need to be played for the good of college football, the good of any particular state. And you know, my understanding is, I mean, it was such a good game. I mean. The James Conner storyline was amazing. The Penn State quarterback, the up and down, Penn State down, 28-7, they come back. I mean, Penn State has, you know, no reason to hang their head, that's for sure, but it was right there for them, right there. They complete a fourth and 16, and somewhat inexplicably, you know, they go for it. Uh, for a long pass into the end zone when they didn't need to. They had the time, you know, but they did. Yeah. You know, I like a gamble, but it wasn't a good gamble, as it turned out. And that quarterback played too well to have that game end that way. Yes, sometimes coaches make some really strange decisions. And, I mean, there's, there's reason to believe you don't need to go for the groceries on, on right. one play. Correct. It was just, you know, he threw it up. You know, the announcers were talking. I think they were correct that, you know, the experienced pit defenders really baited him. But, you know, two receivers, two defenders in the end zone, but all in all, it was a pretty easy interception. Uh, you know, you could see, you kind of see it coming uh, once he released the ball. But, yeah, so what I'm hearing, AP, is, number one, it was so good that, where I was watching it with a lot of Penn State fans, everybody, some of whom said they already have tickets for next year, and it's going to be at State College on September 9th, which I love, as in good weather. Yes. And I, I talked to people who actually already have tickets for that game, which I loved. But then, shockingly to me, uh, that's it. Nothing else is scheduled. It's a two-year deal. <laughs> which, But... <laughs> Which is amazing, but I, I have to think, with what we all witnessed on Saturday, that you, you know, if if they're not harder, if they're not working on on it today, there's something yeah. wrong. Yeah, shame on them. Yeah, shame on them. They should be literally signing a contract today to extend that uh, forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Put put that in the, the capital words forever. Exactly. Yeah, that should be the first word of the contract. And uh, but yeah, you know, in the James Conner storyline, uh, you know, you can't overstate that. He of course came back from cancer. I heard a story that not this game, but the previous Pitt game, they uh, held seats in the front row for all the people from the hospital that treated James Conner. Oh. I thought that was a spectacular story. I mean, you got to love Pitt yeah. on that one. Oh yeah, that's. Boy, that was it was smart. It was genuine. It was sincere. But that that's a great story. Yes, and as someone who grew up going to both Pitt and Penn State games, uh, 
you know, the take-home in many ways, and there were a lot of take-homes, but boy, pit football, which has had its tremendous moments through the years, kind of up and down, you know, yeah. as far as crowds, filling stadiums, the program itself, but boy, pit, pit, pit Nation was there in force on Saturday, like, you know, and I read something a, week, a couple weeks ago that they apparently sold out, have sold the largest number of season tickets uh, ever, <laughs> which yeah. is something. That is. Yeah, they honored the 76 team, Tony Dorsett and that, that crew with Jackie Sherrill was there, by the way. And uh, I, of course, went to basically every game that season. Uh, it was awesome. It, you know, I used to go to more Penn State games because I was closer, but that was one where if you lived in western Pennsylvania, you knew on week one something was pretty special with uh, Tony Dorsett. And uh, those games were all sellouts, that's for sure. Every every game that year, Matt Cavanaugh was the quarterback. It was just uh, special. And Hugh Green, of course, was the famous linebacker on that team. So just great stuff, AP. Uh, I, I hope it's, again, back forever. But, you know, both teams, they put on a show, and I, I think America loved it, and I'm sure Pennsylvania did as well. Well, yeah, it was a great day for the Keystone State yep. and, and Pitt, the other He's doing some good things over there. He is. They really are. Paul Christ. Uh, no, not Paul Christ. He was Pitt, moved on to Wisconsin. Pat Narduzzi, excuse me. Right, right. He's a defensive coach, if I remember. Uh, Michigan State. Yeah, he's, and uh, he's got a, he, he oozes Pittsburgh out of every pore. <laughs> he, he is just like a, a Pittsburgh guy, a lot like Bill Cower. Yes. Yes. He just reminds me a lot of him. He's yeah, a little bit of a gruffness to him, no nonsense, straight shooter, yes. and he's perfect for Pitt. And uh, again, you know, there's no no college football in the fa- fan in the country isn't loving the James Conner story. Local kid from Clareton of all places, where they filmed mm-hmm. Deer Hunter, oh, <laughs> and uh, so you, you, one of the top high school programs in the country. By the way, they had the. Mm-hmm. I think the longest high school winning streak, maybe, uh, pretty recently. <laughs> so, yeah. It's impressive, yeah. And, 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 John, funny, we just discussed Oklahoma State. Where does Pittsburgh play next week? <laughs> Oklahoma State? At Oklahoma State. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah, well, that'll be yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, two road games at Oklahoma State and at North Carolina. So, they're going to have to get back to business with these next two games on the road. No doubt. Well, a lot of people are picking them to win the ACC East. Uh, I could see it. Um, that'll be an interesting game. Pitt coming off maybe their biggest victory in years, for sure. Easily their biggest victory in years, period. Yes. Yes. Oklahoma State coming off of just uh, a, a debacle of which it shouldn't have happened to them. So you have to wonder how they'll respond. You, you never know. So that's going to yeah, be a good yeah. one. Yeah, they're going to face a good team, a good program. So I, if I was in front of a TV, I'd, I'd have that channel on my on my to-do list. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, AP, hard to believe we've all of a sudden come to the end of the third segment. But why don't we take a break now? Still have a few more things to get to, and we'll do that on the other side of the break. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. 
quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america you're listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports with our first ever Monday show. Going forward, our show has moved from Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time to starting today, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So this will be our Permanent time slot going forward. We hope you continue to tune in. I am your host, John Inglesby. Back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we were talking some heavy-duty Pittsburgh before the break, and that leads into my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing. Weekend. It's not Friday anymore. My pick of the week for appointment viewing is tonight's Steelers-Skins game. Before I even talk about that, we were talking Pittsburgh, as I said. How about Larry Fitzgerald, Pitt's Hall of Fame receiver? Uh, from Played his high college ball at Pitt, one of the all-time great receivers in college football history. He put on a show last night. That was just amazing to watch against the uh, Patriots. Yeah, he's been a terrific receiver for so long, John. I mean, he's good hands and he's strong, and I just enjoyed watching him from day one when he was at Pitt. Yep. Well, we love him. His father's a sports writer. I've met him a few times. <laughs> so, so he, you know, in our profession, we got to love anybody who's the son of a sports writer. Uh, <laughs> and, but again, I thought that was just so impressive last night. Uh, you know, the catches, especially the second one, was fabulous. And, uh, but yeah, that does lead into, you know, Back to the NFL just to close out the show, which is basically, uh, 
Steelers skins game tonight. Great matchup, but you know, great matchups yesterday uh, was history making, where we had four one point games, which is the first time in NFL history that that's ever happened on an opening weekend. So close games. You, you know, it was a red zone bonanza yesterday, and here we go. It's going to be another great season. Yeah, the NFL, John. I've always liked it because the games are competitive. That that's been the lure. People don't like that. So the teams are so even. But I, I enjoy that. Yes, and you know, uh, Scott Hansen, who is the guru of all things red zone, he a rock star by any standard, as he, you know, guides America through multiple games for seven hours every Sunday. Uh, he said it. I've been saying it for a while. The best hour of the week in American television is from 3.30 to 4.30, often till 5 p.m., but the best 90 minutes are the end of those 1 o'clock games. It's now become appointment television. If I'm not at a Patriots game, I'm planning my Sunday to make sure I'm in front of a television, preferably my, the one in my home, <laughs> at 3.30 every Sunday for the rest of the season and every season. Uh, it's, again, great theater, and it's guaranteed. That's the beauty of the NFL. You can just go to the bank, but it's going to be, again, beyond entertaining. It's going to be the best television you're going to see all week long. Yeah, the, the two teams, somebody has to execute that last final play, whether it's a field goal kicker, a quarterback making a touch throw, a receiver leaping up to get the ball, a running back getting over the goal line from a few few yards out, uh, a coach making the proper decision. I mean, it's all in one. You're going to see it some version or form of those things happening every time the NFL has a game. Exactly, exactly. And it really comes back to, and never more so than yesterday, really, uh, Clock management, you know, that in and of itself, it's like, you know, taking a master's course in clock management by watching, you know, multiple games ending at the same time. And yesterday was a real bonus because uh, the three, four o'clock games, i.e. seven o'clock, 730 last night, Eastern time, were all, all last second games we talked about, uh, which leads us to the other point, which was, you know, my back to the beginning of the show when I said my low light of the week was the two the Lions and the Cowboys receiver not going out of bounds within seconds of each other. Yeah. Uh, cost the Cowboys the game. The Lions were able to overcome it. Matthew Stafford went crazy on his receiver. He went ballistic, and you know the Cowboys and Des Bryant, to his credit, was very you know encouraging to his guy. I mean, he went right up to him. The moment it happened right on the field, clearly telling him, you know, bad decision, but yeah. but, but handling him nicely. Yes, yes. But my statement, John, I'll stand by it forever, and this is all-encompassing, the, the term I'm going to use. They, they know the dance, but they don't know the play. <laughs> well said. Well said. Yeah, you, you just can't even imagine it. I, again, I said early, uh, you know, at the beginning of the show, I, high school stuff. It just is. Uh, and what made it really so hard to believe that was happening, both receivers were literally a step or two. There was no effort whatsoever 
in getting out of bounds. They, no. In fact, they even kind of had to turn to go upfield, whereas the natural motion yes. of the way they were positioned would have been this two-step out of bounds. It was just biz- bizarre. You can't make this stuff up. No, no, you can't. And like I said, I mean, whether it's when the ball is received in the end zone and you're thinking about coming out and you step over the line and you step back, they don't seem to grasp the, the uh, importance of knowing the play, knowing the game of football, knowing every all the rules. It, it just they, they practice the dance but don't emphasize learning the game of football. Right, and you have to assume. I'm not in the huddle and nobody else is either except 11 people, but I have to assume these quarterbacks are... The last word coming out of a huddle in that situation has to yeah. be, you know, get out of bounds. Yeah. Like screaming it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, because, I mean, your, your decision affects the entire organization. Yes, and never more obvious than yesterday where the Cowboys, because of that, just simply ran out of time. The, the, the clock hit zero as a direct result of that. And there was nothing they could do about it. I mean, no. the flattest ending imaginable, if you're a Cowboy fan, it, it can't get any worse than that. Jason Garrett, their coach, looked truly in shock. He did when the clock ran out. Yeah, and I don't know how long the field goal would have been, John. I can't recall at this moment, but that is a play that really lost you a game. It did. It did. Because you would have had a chance at the field. Now, I don't know if he would have made it, but that play was the accumulation of the day's work. And the and, week's work. Yeah the, yeah, the week's work, you know, and you're preparing all this time. Right, because, game one, it's six weeks of work. <laughs> yeah, and, and, game, and you're, you're trying to prepare and be ready, and every game counts in that league. I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, college football is the same way. Every, every game counts, but in professional football, one game can change the fortunes of you having the home, a home playoff game or playing on the road. So you can look back and you play 16 games, and at the end you say, oh, we have to play on the road because of what, one game? Exactly, or even getting in the playoffs. There's so many ways to look at it. Uh, yeah. But every game is important, and every game is that's why every game is just great to watch. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it was interesting uh, to say the least, but uh, that's what makes it so entertaining and, and must see television, and why the NFL is the greatest <laughs> sports jugger, juggernaut, certainly in American history, if not. Uh, world history period. I mean, it's just, you, you can't miss it. It's, it's must-see TV on a regular basis. And that said, it's the end of the show, and I can't wait for tonight's game. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll be fun. <laughs> yes, it will. It will, Jim. No doubt about it. AP, thank you, as always, for your expertise and perspective, and uh, look forward to doing it again. It's been my pleasure, John. Look forward to it. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.